Hey all you spooky listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Morbid Curiosity, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Nicole. I'll be taking you through some of the most heinous, shocking, and morbid crimes, including, of course, the paranormal. Listener discretion is advised. Don't forget to check me out on Instagram at morbid, period, curiosity, period, TC podcast where you can find photos related to our cases, including crime scene photos on occasion, of course, with the exception of postmortem photos. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Everybody, thanks for joining me for episode number 23. I just want to take a moment to say I've had a cold for the last week. I still am kind of sick. So I apologize if you hear any sniffles or anything like that. Um, just throwing that out there. Um, another thing, I redid the logo for the podcast. So make sure you go check that out. It's on Instagram and the Facebook group that I have. You can look at that. Also, am posting updates on Facebook. Um, don't forget to check out Instagram. I post photos bi-weekly with our podcast episodes for photos related to the cases, um, as well as maybe any kind of updates on if I have to take a break just in case I'm sick or anything like that. Just, you know, go follow. Um, it's always good to stay informed. Um, another thing is I noticed we had some podcast reviews on Apple Pod. Um, I want to address some of those. So, two people gave a one-star review, which is completely fine. You're entitled to your own opinion. I appreciate the feedback. It lets me know what I'm doing wrong, what you guys would like, etc., right? So, there's one that was a one-star review only because I made a mouth noise. Now, I mean, I'm just being myself. So if you don't like random noises and you want me to sound like a news reporter, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. I apologize you didn't like it, but I'm human. I make noises. Um, The second one is that it's scripted uh, and that I'm reading scripted information from the internet. Let me tell you, every podcaster, we get our sources, our information from the internet. You know, uh, we weren't there. We don't know the information without looking it up and making a script for our podcast episode. And I do read word for word for the information that I do put into a script because, one, I'm dyslexic and I will fuck that up (laughs) so quick. And another thing that that person said was that I stutter over my word. Well, you know what? Being dyslexic, I don't know if you are as well. You should know that even if I read this script a thousand times over, some of these words and some of the sentences, they get backwards. And I just produce what my brain produces. (laughs) 
So I don't really know what to tell you. Um, was it worthy of a one-star review for being dyslexic and stumbling over words and making a script to give you information? Eh, I don't really think so, but you know, it's whatever. Um, there was a five-star review that I wanted to thank. The person's username was Ferrami, um, F-A-R-R-A-M-Y. They said that they had loved my personality and that they could tell that I put a lot of information into the podcast episodes and I did a lot of research. And I just want to thank you for your kind words. I appreciate you. I'm glad you noticed. (laughs) Um, Other than that, we can get started with today's episode. I do want to take time to do some trigger warnings because this one is pretty, um, pretty gruesome. Um... Normally, I don't really throw out trigger warnings, but this one's pretty, pretty upsetting. So, um, trigger warnings would be rape, uh, torture, kidnapping. Um, I would say they're kind of children. Um, I think the lowest age is like 16. So, I'm going to say it involves kids. Um, It involves injustice. So, you're probably going to be pissed by the end of this episode like I was. Um, let's see, there, there is torture descriptions, so I apologize in advance, but I wanted to, um, pretty much just let people know exactly what she went through, uh, respectfully. I didn't try to get into, like, the nitty gritty details of her torture, just what had happened. So, yeah. So let's get into it, guys. Hope you enjoy. Go check out Instagram. Join the Facebook group. Please rate, share, and like the podcast. Um, I do believe I am now on Amazon Music and Google Music, as well as Spotify and um, Apple Pod. Probably some other platforms as well. So let's go. So Junko Furuta was a 17-year-old girl, and she was in high school. She was born January 18th, 1971 in Misato, Saitama Prefecture. She went to Yashio Minami High School. Um, She was a model student who took school extremely serious. She had excellent grades, and it reflected her dedication that she put into schooling. She worked at a plastic molding factory to save up money for a graduation trip. And after graduation, she actually already secured a job at an electronics retailer, which is great because I definitely didn't have anything secured after high school as far as job-wise. Um... Unlike other kids her age, though, Junko, she didn't smoke, she didn't drink, no drugs, anything like that. Um, And she actually had a good relationship with her parents and her two brothers. Now, in addition to her model and upstanding behavior, many found Junko to be an attractive girl, including the men who would eventually be her downfall. On the evening of November 25th, 1988, Hiroshi Mignano and friend Shinji Minato were stalking the city. They had planned to rob and murder local women that they could catch on the street. The two did have a history as gang rapists, so they knew exactly how to target women and what to do. 
At 8.30 p.m. that evening, Junko was riding her bike home in a hurry so that she can watch the last episode of Tanba. Unbeknownst to her, unfortunately, she had caught the attention of Hiroshi Minano and Shinji Minato. They spotted Junko riding her bike home after she had just finished her shift at her job. Under Mignano's orders, Minato kicked her off of her bike and fled the scene. Mignano, under the pretense of witnessing the attack by coincidence, approached her and offered to walk her home safely. Upon gaining her trust, he raped her in a local warehouse, it was isolated, and again in a nearby hotel, threatening to kill her. Supposedly, he did reveal that he had connections to the Yakuza or gang, so that did scare Junko because he did threaten her and her family with death if she did not go with what he was wanting. Now, from the hotel, <clears throat> excuse me, Miano called Minato and his other friends, Joe Ugara and Yashishi Watanabe, and bragged to them about the rape he had just done. Ogara reportedly asked Mignano to keep her in captivity in order to allow numerous people to sexually assault her. The group had a history of gang rape and had recently kidnapped and raped another girl whom they had recently released. Around 3 a.m., Miano took Junko to a nearby park where Minato, Ogara, and Watanabe were waiting. They had learned her home address from a notebook in her backpack and told her that they knew where she lived and that Yakuza members would kill her family if she attempted to escape. The four boys overpowered her, took her to a house in the Yasi district of Adachi, and gang-raped her. The house, which was owned by Minato's parents, soon became the regular gang hangout. The four took turns raping her before talking excuse me, before taking her to Minato's parents' home. On November 27th, uh, Junko's parents contacted the police about her sudden disappearance. Now, to discourage further investigations, after her captors found out police were called, they forced Junko to call her mother around three times to convince her that she ran away of her own volition and that she was safe and she was staying with some friends. Now, Junko, who, you know, for her, that was super out of character. It took a lot of convincing. Um, I don't really think her parents fully believed it. But they didn't, I guess they really didn't have much of a choice. Um, and her captors also forced Junko to stop the police investigation by doing so. Because once the police were like, oh, she ran away, cool. Uh, not a problem kind of thing. So they pretty much just ceased their investigation, um, unfortunately. Now, when Minato's parents were present, um, Junko was forced to act as his girlfriend. Now, they dropped the act when it became clear that his parents were not going to be interested in what they were doing. Um, they weren't going to report them to police for being, you know, weird, having a girl over, whatever. So, on the night of November 28th, Mignano invited two other boys, Tetsu Nakamura and Kochi Ihara, over to the Minato's house. 
They went upstairs to the room where Junko was sitting wearing a long sleeve t-shirt and a skirt that Mignano had stole from a clothing store a few days prior. They drank cough medicine and was pretending it was drugs and was acting high. Um, Junko got scared. She screamed. She tried to run away. Uh, Mignano grabbed her legs and Ahara put a a pillow over her face. Now, the parents, of course, were like, oh shit, what's going on? Uh, They were awakened, went to go check on what was going on, why was there screaming. Uh, Minato told them, nothing, nothing's going on. There's nothing for you to be concerned about. You need to go back to bed. You know, of course, the mother was probably like, um, okay. I'll tell you why she probably thought that in a minute. Now, the group then proceeded to gang rape her after this. Um, During this time, supposedly, she had went into a state of unconsciousness. So, she was pretty much just laying there and staring at the ceiling, not blinking, nothing. Um, Minato's mother eventually left. Enraged at Junko's attempts to call for help, Minato grabbed a lighter and set Junko's pubic hair on fire. One of the most twisted parts of this case that pissed me off to no, like, un- no, not even words can describe it, um, was that Shinji Minato's parents were around, had an idea of what was going on, but they stated they were pretty much just too scared to intervene because they were afraid of Mignano, um, which was, you know, they're like, Yakuza connections, um, what am I trying to say? Words. He was violent. They were scared, you know. They were intimidated. Now, Minato's brother knew as well, but chose to keep quiet, possibly maybe for the same reasons. Maybe he was scared of the Yakuza connection, gang connections. Um, Don't really know. But all I know is everyone was living in the same house whenever they had brought other gang members into the house to take turns gang raping Junko. So they knew, they knew well of what was going on. Now at one point, Kochi Ahara, one of their friends slash accomplices, supposedly was bullied into raping Junko. Um, But as I stated earlier... He took part in it and put a pillow over her head. Um, Now, I don't really know. I wasn't there. This is just another report that I found. Um, But supposedly they bullied him into raping her. Um, Maybe he freaked out and tried to silence her with the pillow. I don't know. Um, But after leaving Minato's house, Ihara told his brother about the incident who then told their parents who then contacted the police. So, um, after that, two officers were dispatched to the Minato's house and they were invited inside. They were like, yeah, sure. You have a report of this. Why don't you come on inside and check? There's nobody here. There's no girl. There's nothing going on. We're just hanging out. Like, That was their excuse. Now, this is what pisses me off the most, besides the parents and the brother knowing at the house where it was taking place. The police declined to go inside to look for this girl that was reportedly there. Now, if police officers had just went inside 
thoroughly investigated the house. Junko's torture and kidnapping and hot, you know, being held hostage could have only lasted 16 days. She was there for 16 days. Now, due to their lack of a brain cell and doing their job correctly, her torture literally only just begun. Now, the community, of course, was super pissed at both of these officers after they found out this tidbit of information that, you know, Junko, she still may have been alive today if they had just went inside. Went inside, found her, saved her, and, you know, of course, she would have to have a shit ton of therapy and all that kind of stuff, but she still could have had a chance at life. And they took that away from her by turning around and being like, okay, well, have a great day. Thanks for telling us nobody's here. So, yeah. The botched police work in this case ugh, irritates me. It irritated the Japanese community. Like, it, it was horrendous that they didn't go inside and do their job. <laughs> you know, do their job. It's all they had to do. But, at one point, estimated in December, Junko attempted to call the police and was literally so close to being successful in getting help, it wasn't even funny. But they caught her and forced her to hang up the phone. Now, police called the number back. And Mignano said, sorry about that. The call was a mistake. We didn't mean to call you. That's what he did. Now, mind you, they did threaten her that if she was going to try to get help, she was going to have serious repercussions for those actions. Now, making good on the earlier threats about going for help, they tied her legs and set them on fire with lighter fluid. Now, mind you, I'm thinking this is second to third degree burns because they were severe burns and nasty bruises. And it actually made it almost impossible for Junko to walk from that point forward. Like, she was pretty much crippled in that incident. Now, in the following days, the group decided, hmm, we're not going to feed you anymore. Um, they literally only gave her alcoholic drinks and milk. Um, Mignano took a liking to burning Junko's arms and legs with lighter fluid after that first incident. Other tortures included shoving hot light bulbs, lit matches, metal rods, and bottles into Junko's body cavities. Eventually, Junko's body became unable to keep up with the injuries and the malnutrition that she began the ability, excuse me, she began to lose the ability to walk altogether. Um, she could just crawl now. So when she eventually could no longer crawl, that means no bathroom, the group made her use the bathroom in a cup, which they forced her to drink after. So they forced her to urinate into a cup. She had to drink it. The group also forced her to eat cockroaches. Now, Junko unfortunately endured a lot during her captivity, but it was said that she endured over 400 to 500 or more different instances of gang rape during her time in the Minato residence. 
About 30 days in before the final days leading up to her death, the gang had stopped raping her because her wounds that they inflicted got infected to the point to where her skin was rotting and she had pus coming out. And they told investigators, eh, turned us off. We don't want to rape her anymore. Not interested. Now, as fucked up as that is, um, they decided, you know what? We kind of want somebody else. So they kept Junko in the house. They kidnapped and raped another woman who was on her way home from work as well. And luckily for her, rape isn't lucky, but what they done to Junko, she avoided that, which is lucky. That's what I'm saying. Luckily for her, they released her. They let her go. Now, the details of what triggered the gang to kill Junko still isn't really clear. Now, if you've heard this story before, you may have seen several sources claiming that Junko had been um, playing Mahjong with the the boys. um, And she beat them at the game. And it made them super pissed. And it caused them to beat her to death. But there was a Japanese blogger... um, which I believe the name is pronounced Yuming. Yuming? It's Y-U-M-I-G. The blogger read the original Japanese court decision documents. Um, Now, according to him, Junko did not play Mahjong with her captors. Um, She couldn't walk. She could barely even crawl. How is she going to play Mahjong? Now, he was saying that she was too badly injured, you know, couldn't function. She couldn't play Mahjong. Now, contrary to popular claims, he states that the gang had lost a lot of money while playing Mahjong somewhere. So when they returned to the Monado residence, they decided to take their anger out on her. Which, mind you, she was barely alive at this point. Now, the group beat her. Um, they dropped weights on her stomach. Um, poured hot wax on her eyelids. Now, of course, by this point, Junko was so out of it, she wasn't even responding to their attacks anymore. Um, They then forced her to stand and kicked her into a stereo set. She began convulsing at this point, um, but they didn't care. They just continued to beat her. Um, Disgusted by the blood and the pus that was leaking out of her body, they wrapped their hands in plastic bags before continuing what they were doing. Now, the gang eventually grew tired of torturing her, so they tied her ankles and just decided, you know what? We deserve a sauna day. They went to a freaking sauna. They went to a sauna, and by the time they returned, Junko had passed away. Now, when Junko passed, she was no longer recognizable. She was severely malnutritioned. Um, autopsy procedures found that her brain actually shrunk drastically um and her eardrums were severely damaged because the gang supposedly had set off fireworks inside of her ears now horrifyingly enough um she was also pregnant supposedly um even though the damage to her genitals and her uterus was super extensive supposedly they had impregnated her as well Now, Junko's mother required intensive psychiatric treatment after learning of the atrocities committed against her daughter. Um, 
after her passing. Now, I'm going to get into the autopsy information. Um, I found on YouTube, I'll have to... I'll have to track the video back down, but there was a lady from Japan who translated some stuff, supposedly, and this is what they found in the autopsy. Now, mind you, one tidbit of information, um, I'll get into what they did with her body after they found her deceased in the home here in just a second. So, the first thing that I'm going to say when they found in the autopsy information may not make sense to you, but we'll get there. So, first, she had to be taken out of concrete. Now, luckily, this slowed down decomp. Um, most organs were still intact. Her brain had shrunk. And just a reminder, this is autopsy information. Um, both eardrums were perforated and the tissue indicated there were attacks near her ears for a span of time. Um, when they found her body, there was still a bottle in her body cavity. Um, her face was unrecognizable. She had fractured ribs up to weeks prior before her death. Her legs had severe fractures. Internal bleeding is nearly 60% of her body, tearing of her genitals, burns covering her abdomen, arms, and legs. Um, the conclusion was she died of shock. Um, her heart pretty much just gave out due to the extensive abuse and torture. Um, now, it may have been 44 days instead of 40 based on the injuries. That's why when you look Junko uh, Furuta up, most of the articles say 44 days, but that's just based on the injuries. But the dates we have, it's 40. Could be wrong, but 40 is what is stated on police reports. Now, she died at 17 years old on January 4th, 1989. Um, cause of death was murder or traumatic shock. And they found her body March 29th, 1989. So, near, like, two months later. Um, I'm about to describe the torture that Junko endured. Um, if this is not something that you want to know about, please fast forward. I don't know how long. Maybe a minute and 30. I don't know. Um, please fast forward. Uh, this is just kind of a list compiled of what they said they had done. So, starting on this, <clears throat> um, she was humiliated, of course. Um, most of the time, she was kept naked. Um, she was raped every day in both body cavities. More than 100 men are believed to have raped her. The captor with the Yakuza or gang connections is said to have invited other Yakuza or gang members to have go uh, to take turns. Um, Junko was raped over 500 times in her um, capture. Or in her kidnapping, you know. Uh, many of these rapes were gang rapes in which friends or Yakuza members participated. Um, and at one point, over a hundred different men were involved in the rape. Now, she endured physical beatings, um, including getting hit with golf clubs, hit in the face. Um, they hit her head on the cement floor a lot. Um... The hundred men who were believed to have raped her had also reportedly enjoyed urinating on her. 
frequently in order to turn on her rapist. And that is what is in the report. I do not like that wording, but that's just what is, what was, what is I found. Word vomit. Um, they actually forced her to masturbate in front of the people who were going to rape her. Um, she had various objects, objects, excuse me, forced into her body cavities, including a bottle, iron bars, scissors, needles, uh, grilled chicken skewers, etc. There was a bunch of shit that they did with that. Um, pretty much anything and everything. Uh, was provided only limited water and food, and eventually, you know, they quit feeding her. Um, she had to eat live cockroaches, drink her own urine. They set fireworks off in her body cavities, including her mouth and ears. Um, they actually ripped her left nipple off with pliers at one point. Uh, they dropped the weights on her stomach, um, while laid on the floor with hands and feet tied up, which, unfortunately, which resulted in loss of bowel control, um, which I'm sure they got mad at and tortured her for. Um, she was hung from a ceiling and used as a boxing bag. She was kept in a freezer for several hours. Um, they burned her a lot with cigarettes and candles, um, including genitals, um, eyelids. They doused her in the lighter fluid a few times, set her on fire. Um, supposedly had pierced, like, her breasts with sewing needles. Um, I'm almost done, guys. I told you, this one's gonna be rough. Like, it's, it's killing me to go through everything, but I want you to understand the extent of what these men did to her. Um, because it's just, it's just so horrible. Um, it's horrible. And then the justice that was not upheld was more horrendous. Um, they had hot lit light bulbs inserted to the body cavities. And they made them explode inside. Uh, prolonged bearings included her hands being repetitively crushed and bones broken. Her face being held against the floor as her head was jumped on. Weights being dropped on her stomach again. Um, she was punished whenever she used the bathroom on herself. Um, you know, either because the beatings eliminated bowel and bladder control or maybe because it took her an hour to drag herself to the freaking restroom because, you know, they broke her hands and disabled her legs. Um, like I said, they, they beat her for that. Her wounds, left untreated, of course, became infected, resulting in swollen flesh, oozing pus, and a putrid smell. And, of course, like I said earlier, they lost all interest in sexual manners um, or assaults uh, after that. <sighs> Junko would eventually slip into unconsciousness from the shock and brutal assaults, um, which led to additional torture in form of dunking her head underwater trying to wake her back up so they could keep torturing her. Uh, she eventually couldn't pick anything up because the weight smashed almost every bone in her hands. At night, she slept exposed on the balcony to the elements, which, mind you, weather in the area averages temperature of 41 degrees Fahrenheit. So, um, 
Now that that horrendous description is over, we're going to talk about the leader of the crime, which was Hiroshi Mignano. guys we're gonna take a little break um after that horrendous description i figured you kind of need a palate cleanser so let's get into that break ad mignano the leader of the crime had a history of bad behavior all the way back to elementary school so shoplifting damage to school property probably some other stuff in April 1986, he actually enrolled in a private school in Tokyo, and of course, he dropped out. Um, after that, he continued to commit various crimes that increased over time. Um, just before Junko's murder, he actually was living with a girlfriend, uh, which happened to be the eldest sister of Watanabe, uh, one of the um, assailants. And he actually wanted to marry her, but dissatisfied with salary from his title job, you know, his cover job, uh, Mignano became involved with the Yakuza, or a gang, and sex crimes. So, of course, that ended the relationship between those two. Now, Mignano became a bully, of course, at the same school that Junko attended. He liked to show off his performance in the Yakuza or gang that he was in and committed several crimes and raped several girls. Why this motherfucker was never held accountable, I have no freaking idea. Um, money and power speak back then, I guess. Right? Now, at school, he did have a crush, supposedly, okay, on Junko. And she rejected his advances in front of a whole class or around people, thus possibly being the motive for the horrendous crime. Whether that is true or not, I'm not sure. It's very hard to decipher Japanese news, um, but that was a possibility that I came across that maybe this was a revenge murder and torture. Um, Mignano was one of the four boys who killed Junko uh, January 4th, now, at the time of the incident, they were using the second floor of Minato's house as a hangout and had previously participated in criminal activities such as robbery, extortion, rape, kidnapping, etc. Uh, two weeks after the crime, ironically, Hiroshi ended up unwittingly turning himself into the police because he's fucking stupid um, regarding Junko's death when he was arrested with Joe Ogara for the rape of a different girl. Um, I'm assuming it's the one either the same night that they abducted Junko or whenever they got tired of doing things to Junko and they kidnapped that other girl. Who knows? They've done it a lot. Um, anyway, um, he realized that police were investigating Junko's case, of course, and assumed that Ogara had turned him in. So he was like, oh, you know, I, you know what? Might as well just tell on myself. So, he actually revealed the location of Junko's body, um, which shocked police when he, you know, was like, hey, here's a confession. Because um, they weren't even interrogating him for that. He's just dumb. Um, but I'm glad he was able to tell the location because the way they disposed of her body, um, I'm sure it was going to be hard to find if nobody told. So, um... Mignano was sentenced to only 20 years 
Yes, be pissed. Be very pissed because I was pissed when I read this too. Only 20 years. And on top of other criminals, which the other people, 5 to 10 years each. Let that sink in. Horrendous torture. Millions of gang rapes. 20 years? That's it? That's all you're going to... 20 years? And 5 to 10 years for the accomplices? Are you kidding me? Anyway, most of them, of course, you know, they were released eventually. They served their time. They were released. Um, But they were rearrested for various crimes, including rape and fraud. Justice system failed other women and people um, by letting these people have non-life sentences. I don't care how old they are. If you're 16 and you can sit here and commit such a horrendous act, your ass deserves life in prison. Try to reform them. Sure. Maybe. Whatever. But in my mind, there's a chemical imbalance in your brain that makes you think this is okay. Especially when you're bragging about it anyway to your friends. You know what I'm saying? People like that normally can't be helped. Anyway, uh, the criminals didn't get life imprisonment or death penalty due to their young ages, unfortunately, making the case even more impactful due to the lack of punishment for someone that had done something so horrendous. Now, the Japanese people were pissed. The community, pissed. Horribly upset. Now, the main prisoner, Hiroshi Mignano, uh, was held in juvenile prison from... Kawago for a period before transferring to Chiba prison. Now, um, there was a prisoner, um, last name Kanahara, who was in prison with Hiroshi and stated that this man was an intelligent, carefree, well-behaved man who was, who, or who seemed incapable of committing such a brutal crime. Nobody cares about your opinion. That's all I have to say. Nobody cares about your stupid opinion. Um, Now, Mignano was released from prison in 2009. Changed his name, which we'll get into. Um, He went on to attend a kickboxing gym and often took his juniors out for barbecue and to cabarets. He continued his involvement in the Yakuza, or gang, And still had the luxury of driving around in BMWs and wearing luxury stuff and luxury watches. Um, Engaging in various crimes of fraud, Dummy eventually was arrested again in 2013 and was released soon after. Because they don't care to keep him in jail. His personality still remains cruel. Talking openly about sex. His crimes, um, sharing information that he loved to tie women up. His whereabouts today are unknown. I could not find anything about him today or the other people. Um, but we do have some more information about them though. So let's get into, um, like their name changes, their sentencing, crimes, We're going to get into that now. If you need a break, take one. But if not, let's continue.
All right. So the leader, Hiroshi Mignano, his name changed to uh, same first name, Hiroshi. Last name changed to Yokoyama. Um, he was 18 at the time of the crime. Joe Ugara changed his name to Joe Tamasuku. Time will pronounce it. He was 18 also. Um, Yashu Wannabe. Yeah, Yasushi Wannabe. There we go. He was 17. Um, Nobuharo Minato, which was Shinji Minato's brother. He was 16. And I'm pretty sure Shinji, I think he was like 16 to 18 years old. Um, now, because forensic examiners at the time of the autopsy, they found sperm, pubic hair of other people on the corpse of Junko. Um, there were a few more names linked to her torture and murder. Of course, you have that Tetsu Nakamura, um, Nakamura, excuse me, that was invited over to the house, as well as Kochi Uhara. Um, they were confirmed DNA samples on her body. There was over a hundred uncharged rapists that were not proven with DNA because I'm assuming it was either too much or not enough. Now, motive, possibly revenge, like I said earlier. The verdict, now, rather than pleading guilty to murder, all of the men pleaded guilty to Quote, causing bodily harm that resulted in death. The four criminals were tried as juveniles, but had to be convicted as adults. Now, unfortunately, each one of them have been released from prison. Convictions, committing bodily injury that resulted in death. Now, the sentencing, less than 24 hours after she passed away, Minato's brother called to tell him that Junko appeared to be dead. Now, afraid of being penalized for the murder, the group wrapped her body in blankets and shoved her into a travel bag. They put her body in a 55-gallon drum and filled it with wet concrete. That's what I was talking about earlier during the autopsy. They put her body into a 55-gallon drum, filled it with concrete, now, around 8 p.m., they loaded it and eventually disposed the drum into the cement truck in Koto, Tokyo. During her captivity, Junko had mentioned to her captors several times that she was regretting and upset that she was not able to watch that final episode of Tanbo, which means dragonfly. Um, Mignano found the videotape of the episode that she had missed and placed it in the travel bag with her. Now, he explained later it was not because he pitied her or felt guilty or anything like that. Um, he simply didn't want her to be a ghost and didn't want to be haunted. He didn't want a vengeful spirit coming back for him. You deserve ten times worse. Anyway. He didn't want her to be vengeful, so he did that for her to whatever. Um, January 23rd, 1989, Mignano and Agora were arrested for that gang rape of a 19-year-old girl who they kidnapped in December. March 29th, two police officers came to interrogate them. 
after women's underwear had been found at their addresses. Um, now, like I said earlier, he believed that Ogara had already confessed, so he confessed. And police were like, what? <laughs> they were, like, confused. They were puzzled. They didn't know why we are talking about this one when we are talking about this other one. Um, so, as they had been referring to the murder of a different woman, um, and, let me tell you, her seven-year-old son, okay, that occurred nine days prior to Junko's abduction, um, yeah, they were referring to her and her son, they told on themselves, or Mignano told on himself, um, they were told where to find the body, etc., Police found the drum containing Junko's body the following day. She had to be identified by her fingerprints. Now, mind you, the body did not decompose quickly because it was in wet cement, which delayed the decomposition process, okay? So, fingerprints, the only way to identify her because they beat her and tortured her so badly, her body was unrecognizable. 20 years for that. Just saying. On April 1st, 1989, Joe Ogara was arrested for a sex, like a separate sexual assault and subsequently rearrested for Junko's murder. So, they were interrogated about a rape. They told on themselves. They found the body and then they were rearrested. Um, the arrest of Watanabe, Minato, and Minato's brother followed and suit. Parents never arrested remember they knew all about it never arrested never charged nada nothing 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 at all um several other accomplices who participated in junko's abuse and torture were officially identified including tetsu nakamara and kochi uhara who were charged with rape after their DNA was found on the on and inside her body. Um, sentences, we already t- we already been mad about it. So you know, Mignano, 20 years, juvenile rehabilitation center, denied parole in 2004, got out in 2009, attempted to change his name, his identity was outed, 2013, rearrested for suspected fraud. Um, learning his lesson, he did keep silent and got released from a lack of evidence from that fraud case. Today, supposedly, he is an avid kickboxer and found himself a new posse. Um, his organized crime ties and MLM schemes have been made, or excuse me, the MLM schemes have made him very, very wealthy. Where he's at today, today, 2022, don't know. Uh, Shinji Minato, the the guy whose house they used, five to nine years. Five to nine years. <laughs> like, ah, you gotta be freaking kidding me. Um, yeah, five to nine years. That's all he got. Um, the Yakuza are believed to have been involved, although not confirmed, of course. After his release... Monado moved in with his mother. However, in 2018, Monado was arrested again for attempted murder after beating a 32-year-old man with a metal rod and slashing his throat with a knife. 
Minato's parents and brother never charged. Uh, uh, Junko's parents were dismayed by the sentences received by their daughter's killers and won a civil suit against Minato's parents. So, damn right, they were like, "Uh, no, kind of thing. Um, They actually, after selling their family home, um, Hiroshi's mother allegedly sent Junko's parents 50 million yen, which is equivalent to U.S. dollar about 425K. So, they won the lawsuit or the civil suit, got money, which money don't mean shit. It ain't going to bring Junko back, but... At least it's compensation to give her a, a nice funeral. Um, Yasashi Watanabe, who was originally sentenced to three to four years in prison, received an upgrade to five to seven. Ooh, what an upgrade. Um, is the only one who hasn't been reported to have been back to prison or rearrested for any other crimes. I guess he just kind of went under the radar. Um, you know... <clears throat> He can't, he can't be far behind, though. I, I'm sure it's somewhere. But he was released in 2004. He'd been living with his mother ever since. Has not worked since, supposedly. Um, Joe Ugara spent eight years in prison. He was released in 1999. Freedom proved too much for him, though, because in 2004, he assaulted um, to talk. Stick with me, guys. Takatsushi, there we go, Isono, after suspecting involvement with his girlfriend, so he was like, oh, you're cheating on me? Okay, I'm gonna kill you. So, Ogara kidnapped him, took him back to his mother's bar, beat him for several hours. Um, The court sentenced him seven years. (laughs) Seven years. What she had served. He done it. So, in court, it was revealed that his father started saving money for compensation to Junko's parents. Now, despite her parents refusing to accept it, Joe Ugara was released in August 1999, married and divorced the Chinese woman, became close to the Yakuza or gang again. In May 2004, uh, Joe Ugara, then who was 31, was arrested for the attack, abduction, and imprisonment of that guy he took to the bar. During the attack, Joe Ogara boasted that he had already committed murder and knew how to coax the police and prosecutor. Obviously not, because you still got got in trouble, even though it wasn't enough. Um, He was given four years for that. Yeah, yeah, four years for an attempted murder. Mm -hmm. Um, A few sources of information report that his mother vandalized Junko's grave. Yes, she did. Because they had to move her gravesite to um, Texas, I believe. All the way from freaking Japan to Texas. Because the mother kept vandalizing her grave. Saying, because she ruined her son's life. How about, Miss Ma'am, your son ruined your son's life because he's a fucking monster. Yeah. That's what I have to say about it. Um, A source of information in more recent years states, states that the father's savings that he was going to give to Junko's parents completely destroyed by Joe Ogara because he wanted to live in luxury. So, also, 
had a lot of luxury brands, cars, clothes, whatever. Um, Nobuharu Minato uh, moved in with his mother upon his release, struggled to work. 2018, he became the third to get arrested after assaulting a 32-year-old male with a rod and knife. Married a Romanian woman in 2006. Um, don't really know what happened with him after. Um, now, the impact of the case was so great that it demanded changes in Japan's penal system, especially in terms of juveniles being tried as adults. Now, if you missed it, they were juveniles, but they decided to try them as adults, still gave five to seven years on the minimum to 20 years for the leader of the crime. Now, you telling me that that's appropriate for what they did to this this girl is insane. And I'm sure there was, like, a lot of backlash from the community, including her parents, after the sentencing. I bet you anything. Now, Ogara's mother vandalized Junko's grave either once or multiple times, stating... You know, like I said a minute ago, she ruined the son's life. Um, yeah, so that also made me mad. Anyway, many believe the sentences, of course, were too light for the severity of the crimes committed, which hit the nail on the head with that one. Many people wonder where are the four convicts at the current dates. It seems they have been living low-profile lives, changing their names, hiding their real identities, and are free today. Um, yeah. So, that, that's fabulous. That's fabulous. That's great. Now, of course, media on the Junko case was insane. So, let's get into kind of films, mangas, everything. Um, I probably will miss quite a few, but we're going to cover some media on this case. Now, Junko's torture and murder sparked international outrage. Not just in Japan, but international outrage. And her case inspired several films and a manga illustrated by um, Kamada Yuji. Uh, the most notable film is something I can't pronounce. Um, I will put it in the show notes. If you don't know what that is, it's the details of the podcast. It was released in 1995. The film was directed by um, Katsuya Matsumaru and stars Yuji Kitagawa. Um, yeah, we're going to go with that. Pretty sure it's right. Another independently produced Japanese film in 2004 uh, Concrete is also based on the events leading up to Junko's murder. At least three books written by Japanese authors who were inspired by the case. For some, the story behind Junko's torture and murder has been, like, augmented, invented, or modified. The fact that the case happens, happened doesn't change. Now, Aftermath, um, the house in which Junko was tortured and murdered... Um, thankfully it was demolished. So, they tore that shit down. That's great. It was replaced by a new house and owned by a completely different family. 
So I don't know how they feel about the land, but I still wouldn't want to live there. But they tore it down, built a new house. Uh, Junko's funeral was held on April 2nd, 1989. Um, one of her friend's memorial, like, address stated, um, a quote that I'll read for you now. Quote, Junchan, welcome back. I have never imagined that we would see you again in this way. You must have been in so much pain, so much suffering. The happy we all made for the school festival looked really good on you. We will never forget you. I have heard that the principal has presented you with a graduation certificate. So we graduated together, all of us. Junchan, there is no more pain, no more suffering. Please rest in peace. End quote. Now, Junko's intended future employer, remember she had that job lined up and that um, electrical uh, job. Now, they presented her parents with a uniform that she would have worn in the position that she had accepted. Now, keep in mind, um, if I'm not mistaken... She would have started her job in like a few days after her kidnapping. Uh, could be wrong, but I remember seeing that somewhere. Um, the uniform was placed in her casket at her graduation. Jingo's school principal presented her with a high school diploma, which was given to her parents. The location near where Junko's body was discovered has since been developed into uh, Wakatsu Park. Now, at the time, Japanese people were concerned about U.S.-influenced epidemic of violent crime, what they called the American disease. Now, since the um, grave in Japan was vandalized by Ogara's mother once or multiple times, um, she is now located in Houston, Texas. Um, they moved it out of Japan because it was vandalized. They no longer wanted it vandalized from what I found and others commenting. Um, it's in Houston, Texas at Paradise North Cemetery. Um, and one more tidbit was, um, I think it's the manga. Um, there's like a manga, like I said, and... Three different, couple of different movies and stuff. Now, I was going to make a comment about that, though. They are extremely graphic. Um, do not watch or read unless you want to visually see what this young lady went through. Um, I happened to come across a little bit on YouTube, and um, I had to turn it off. It was... Way worse than the new Dahmer series, which I I enjoyed the Dahmer series um, that just came out on Netflix. If you guys haven't watched it, you need to if you're not squeamish. Um, a lot of people are like, how horrible? I don't want to see that. Well, you know what? People had to live through that. So whether you want to acknowledge something horrendous or not, it happened and it needs to be talked about. Now, um, he gave such a great like, insight to the Dahmer series, um, which Dahmer was played by Evan Peters, which he is a great actor, in my opinion. That man can play anything, I feel like. Um, 
but yeah, go check it out. It's, it's not sponsored or anything, but I just thought it was a great insight because it's not so much so based on Dahmer's view of his crimes, but based on the victims and the families. So, yeah. Anyway, enough about that. Just go check it out. Um, we have a new Facebook group. Um, you can find it. Just type in the podcast name, More of a Curiosity, a Paranormal and True Crime podcast. You'll find the logo. Click it. Add whatever. Instagram, still the same. Email, still the same. If you want to spend or send in spooky stories or anything. But that is all I have for the Junko um, case, guys. Yeah. It was a rough one to research and learn about. But I had seen it pop up a few times and I wanted to cover it. I just didn't really have enough um, like patience for the case. Only because the sentencing and now they're free and like... <sighs> made me mad so I didn't want to cover it but now we did so like I said trigger warning if you do go try to look up the manga the movies the books it's Japanese writers and stuff they can be pretty freaking horrendous um detail and graphic wise so just a fair warning on that but hope you guys enjoyed the podcast please rate whether you want to give a bad opinion or not all opinions are appreciated. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Well, guys, that's all for today's episode. Make sure you tune in bi-weekly. We are every other Monday for another riveting case where I will traumatize you more than you probably already are. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget to check out the Instagram at morbid period curiosity period TC podcast for photos related to each case that I cover. Feel free to send me spooky, crazy stories or case suggestions at morbidcuriositytcpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate the podcast on Spotify and Apple Pod or whatever you're listening to us on. Um, I do appreciate all you spooky listeners. Please stay kind, stay spooky, and for the love of God, don't murder anyone. <laughs>